Uh, we start Genesis uh, in January, and then we're going uh, through each book. Last week was what? Anybody know? Esther. Esther very good. Um, and it was Palm Sunday, so I connected those two. So um, you're going to hear me again connect something that you're like, what in the world is he doing? Um, and you should have got palm leaves. That was for Palm Sunday last Sunday, but Frankie messed up on the delivery date. Anyway. So forgive me. But today is good because you get palms and you get candy in the same day. There you go. So Jesus is in every book of the Bible. He's in Genesis, that Jesus is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he is our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. And in First and Second Samuel, he is the seed of David. In Kings and First Kings and Second Kings and First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of everything broken. In Esther, he is he is our Mordecai, our advocate. In Job, he is the ever-living redeemer. And today we're going to talk about the Psalms, that Jesus is our shepherd. Now, what do shepherds usually do? Yeah, they, they usually run around with the sheep, right? Um, and they have uh, crux and they have weaponry because there's always what around the sheep? Wolves. So to understand who the lambs are, we need to know who the shepherd is. And also, we need to know the shepherd because that will tell us who the wolves are amongst us. Wolves want to tear down and destroy and to divide. And Jesus' prayer before he was crucified was to unite us under his name, not start bickering and fighting and pointing fingers. And then when he resurrected, it is a new covenant, a new promise that he is within us and that we are with him. That we don't have to have a building. We don't have to have things that we go to. It's nice because we, we have warmth in here, right? But this church building is just what? A building. If it burned down tomorrow, the church is still here. The people are the church now. And so that's a whole new concept. That you love your neighbors. That you turn your cheek. That you uh, love your enemies. That you pray for your enemies. That you actually meet Jesus on where he's at. And see, a lot, a lot of the world will say, well, Jesus is this and this and this, but you, you need to read the Bible to actually get to know who Jesus is. Don't believe anybody else. Don't believe me sometimes. I might be wrong, and I, I always tell you, look at your Bible, and then come to me privately, and we'll talk about it, and I, may, I might change, and that's okay. We're all learning from each other. I'm not more special than you are. I just get to be up here. <laughs> so when we look at Psalms, it still helps us in our wisdom today. And we wouldn't have that wisdom if we didn't have Jesus Christ in us because the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the things of the Bible. So Psalm 1, 1 through 6, automatically assumes that we are following God. And then it says this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, how do we know that people are like that? 
we've got to read the Bible. And sometimes it's our experience that people are doing that to us. What does God say about those people? Love them. Hmm. Not just in word, but in action. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, whose righteousness? It's not ours. It's Jesus' righteousness, because everybody's on the same level. Here's Jesus, everybody else is here. No matter what sin you have, no matter what hidden one, no matter what sin you, you, you see outside or inside, we're all the same. The only difference is that when we have Jesus, he is our righteousness. Not the world, not ourselves. We can't save ourselves. Only Jesus can. And so that's what distinguishes Christians among non-Christians is because we're all on the same level, but some of us have followed Jesus. And I hope all the world will follow Jesus because I don't want them to miss it. Jesus is awesome and powerful and wonderful, and he's our shepherd. And so when he came back from the grave, when he came out of the grave, he has given us several things. I'm just going to touch on a few things here that Psalm touches on. Psalm is just a fancy word for what? Anybody know? Songs. It's just a huge book of songs. I don't know how they sang it. You know, they, they had weird instruments like lyres and tambourines. And it, just weird stuff. But we have guitars and, and, and mandolins. So I guess we're still on the same page. That's right. So here's some things in the Psalms. Rejoice. Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be what? Glad in it. That means if you're having a bad day, God still made that day. Now he might have never, God does not create evil. We choose to do evil. Other people choose to do evil towards us. And remember our world is fallen. It's a sinful world. So there's still earthquakes and all that kind of mess. None of that will go away until Jesus comes back. But it's still to be glad in it. How can we do that? Well, we can't do it as humans. We can do it only with Jesus' spirit. The verse reminds us of celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Resurrection Sunday. And thankful for the gift of salvation that he has given us. Fail, yet rejoice. Because no less, the failure, which means thy distress, may teach another full success. Let me read that one more time. Fall, yet rejoice. When we fall, when we make a mistake, there should be some kind of rejoicing because no less the failure, which makes the distress, may teach another full success. Hopefully, when you make a mistake, you're not going to do it again. You're going to learn from it. And we should rejoice that that mistake was done first, and now we can get better and better and mature in Christ. Everybody makes mistakes. Great, I just have that song in my head. Anyway, everybody makes mistakes. But it's when you learn from those mistakes is what makes you wise. And then we can have the joy of life. God has given us the joy of life, not just physical life, but a spiritual life towards him and towards others. The joy of life. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of what? Life. He does not make the 
death. Actually, he conquered death and sin on the cross. That's why we don't have to die the spiritual death or go to hell. Because Jesus did that. And so he gives us life. In your presence, there is fullness of what? Joy. Now, this joy is not something like, well, um, I can never be sad again. No, you can be sad. You can cry and still have joy. Joy is placed in one who does not move. The outward stuff that we do, or crying, or sad, or angry, or, or, or things of this earth that gets us down, it's okay to be sad. What it's not okay is to take Jesus out of that. He is our joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And these are not the worldly pleasures. These are the pleasures of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I don't think anybody's going to make a law against those things, right? No, you cannot be self-controlled. Can you see somebody doing that? No. Also, when Jesus resurrected, he gave us new life. Now you're thinking, well, I, I still grow older. I'm still breathing. I'm still, the, you know, we were a baby. We were beautiful. And then we have entropy. And you go to worse. You know, we buy a car and what? $5,000 when you drive it off a lot because entropy. Everything goes from good to what? Bad. You got to repair it. You get in accidents. You got to borrow somebody's car. And so he's the only one that reverses what is bad in us. Actually, we go from bad to good, which anything in this world, nothing goes from bad to good. Unless you exhort more energy and then you're tired afterwards, like cleaning your room or cleaning the garage. Oh, it looks nice afterwards, but how much energy have you expanded to do that? And then guess what it gets again? It gets junky again. And your kids are really wise when they say, oh, I don't have to clean my room because it will get a mess again the next time. And you're sitting there, oh, boy. But God has given us new life because he did this. This is a, a, this is a prophecy of Jesus. As far as the east is from the west, so far... Does he remove our transgressions from us? Now just think about that. If you keep going east, will you ever go west? No. If you go west, you'll never hit east. Right? So that is an awesome verse. When we come to Jesus, he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west. Great picture. Great picture. A man went to see his doctor in a state of high anxiety. Doctor, he said, you have to help me. I'm dying. Everywhere I touch, it hurts. I touch my head, and it hurts. And I touch my leg, and it hurts. I touch my stomach, and it hurts. I touch my chest, and it hurts. You have to help me, doc. Everything hurts. The doctor gave him a complete examination. He said, Mr. Smith, he said, I have good news and bad news for you. The good news is you're not dying. The bad news is you have a broken finger. We get to these little things and we think life is over. We get to these little blips on the radar and we think life is over. But God has given us a new life and a new way to think. Whoever would have thought, well, that guy is is hurting me. That that guy is talking behind my back. That guy is going to go and, and do something wrong and I have to pray for them. The world doesn't do that. The world doesn't teach that. Well, I have to love him? Yep. See, it's a whole different 
If you want to be a rebel today, be a Christian. It is hard to be a Christian. It's easy to do what the world wants you to do. And when we are in the world, but not of the world, when we're actually in the world with Jesus Christ, sometimes we don't get protected physically. That's okay. Because this is going to die someday. Sometimes we don't get protected emotionally or, or, or mentally. That's okay. Because those are things that are going to go away. Now, he can reverse those things. We pray to him and we put it in his hands and we have faith that he will answer. But it might be a no. It might be a maybe. It might be waiting. It might be a yes. And when we're in the world, we will be, this is 100% true. We are spiritually protected. Because Jesus conquered death and he conquered sin and he conquered the demons and he conquered the devil. Now we are protected inside more than our outside. And that's okay, because this body is not going to last forever. Thank goodness. I don't want to look like this forever. But when I die, I have a new spirit and a new place. Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When do we usually hear that? At funerals. Why do we do that? No, I don't mind if you put it in a funeral. But it's for the living. It is today. We are going through the valley of death. And I will fear no evil because Jesus Christ came back. Now we don't have to fear anything. Except Jesus, because we respect him and he holds us in his hand. But nobody on this earth I fear. Nobody. No government, no person, nothing. Why? Because my Lord and Savior is alive. And I I don't have to fear anything. So whatever the government wants to do, whatever the world wants to do, do it now. Because I'm going to love them. If they kill me, what can they kill? If they kill me, my spirit goes to heaven. If they abuse me, they're abusing God, not me. If they lie about me, they're lying to God, not me. God is my refuge and strength. And it all works. Because Jesus came back to life, we know this Bible is true. Everything that you practice in that Bible actually works. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're still under the Old Testament. You're still got to have, you have to do like 613 laws. And if you break any of them, you're supposed to be stoned to death. But if you're with Jesus... You just follow him because you love him. Not because we have to. We love Jesus, so we follow him in his footsteps. And everything in that Bible works. From Matthew to Revelation, if you read that, it actually works. But we're like, no, it doesn't work. We're going to do it our way. And then we get hurt, and then who do we blame? We blame God. It's not God's fault. God told you, okay, if you do this, this is going to be good. If you do this... It's going to be bad. And we're like, oh, yeah, let's do it over here. doesn't work that way. God has given us stuff that actually works. And we think we know better. Psalm 34, verse 8 says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, he's not a candy bar and we're not going to, oh, he's good. But these are good things. That God has given us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Awesome things that everybody's searching for, but the only one who can give it in real in reality is Jesus. Not the world. 
Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I love this verse, Romans 8, 27 through 28. Sometimes I mix versions up here, but the English Standard Version, it really hits me. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, what's the caveat there? Those who love God. You've got to get that one first before you go on. All things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We always like to, the, to quote the, you know, uh, good God, you know, uh, all things work together for good. We like to put that on bumper stickers and all that stuff. But there's a caveat, people. There's a, there's a you have to do this first. If we're following God, we know that goodness exists. We know that righteousness exists. We know that purity and holiness exists. We know that he's our brother and our friend and our king. And he will work for the good. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get a million dollars tomorrow. I'm not going to say that you're healthy all the time. I'm not going to say any of that because it's not in the, in the Bible. Jesus suffered. Jesus got teased. Jesus got beat. Jesus got all kinds of stuff done to him. And you think his followers wouldn't get the same? And we're surprised when we're having trials and temptations. Jesus went through them all. He was tempted in every way, yet he never sinned. So that means that we can have the power of the Holy Spirit and we can say no to sin. Now, we're never going to be sinless, but we want to sin less and less and less and become mature in Christ. In Jesus, we are sinless to God. God sees us, and he sees Jesus. But if you don't have Jesus, you're still a wretched person. You are still dirty in his sight. You need to be cleaned by Jesus. That's why he resurrected. That's why he came. That's why he came as a baby, to understand, to sweat, to, to have everything that we go through, to understand his creation. Man, I love that. The God of the universe came down to know us. And to love us on the cross. And to come back. Look at this, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture. How much? Oh. All scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for what? what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may thoroughly be equipped for every good work. Why are we made in, to be a servant of God? To do good works. And what do those good works do? They work for other people. They serve other people. They serve our enemy. They love our enemies. This is what God wants us to do. He has prepared our hearts because we read this. We need to be in, in the Bible. Resurrection Sunday, or we call it Easter. We have to make a choice. I know you're thinking, oh, Frankie, don't go there. Don't go there. But we don't know if Jesus is coming back tomorrow. We don't know if he's coming back the next second. You have to make a choice. It's either Jesus or nothing. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. That's why he came back. If we're with Jesus, we rejoice. We have real joy. We have a new life and a new purpose. We have protection from Satan and his demons. We know right from wrong, and it actually works. 
because of Jesus. Not because Frankie said so. Not because he's preaching it. Not because people say amen. It's because Jesus is the right way. I'm not. Don't follow me. I'm not God. I just want to tell you that, if you didn't know that already. Follow Jesus. Isn't it interesting that Noah preached for a hundred years and only had eight converts? So I'm doing pretty good when, you know, there's people who come to Jesus. As long as there's more than eight, I think I did my ministry. But I want everybody to come to Jesus. I want the whole boat filled. I want everybody to be there and I can spend eternity with you. And they're like, I don't want to spend eternity with you, Frankie. Just kidding. But this Holy Week, we had the Last Supper pointing to Jesus. Good Friday. Yeah, it was good that he died on the cross for us. He might have not felt good, but he did it for us. We had Resurrection Sunday, that he came back to life. And because of that, we have a resurrected king who we can have faith in. And that's where your faith journey starts, to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And then faith leads us to confession. Faith leads us to repentance. Faith leads us to baptism. Faith leads us in a walk with Jesus. Faith leads us to bring other people into into Jesus. It's all about who? Jesus. It's not about you. People don't like to hear that. Well, that makes me uncomfortable. Yes, I'm glad. Because you need Jesus. You don't need yourself. You don't need your family. You don't need your husband or your wife. You don't need anything in this world more than you need Jesus. And he resurrected. He's not in the grave. He's alive and well. And he's in control. I pray that you you put your faith and hope and salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.